everyone. I'm Andy Kahn, and welcome to another episode of the Jambase Podcast. Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. Today, we welcome back to the podcast Eric D. Johnson of Fruit Bats and Bonnie Light Horseman. I was stoked to get to speak with Eric again, and we'll hear that discussion in just a minute. Before we get to that, I want to thank all of you out there on behalf of Jambase for the massively positive response to our Clusterflies Fish Covers compilation, reimagining their album Farmhouse. We're forever grateful to all the musicians, engineers, producers, art designers, and anyone else who helped make Clusterflies a success. Thanks also to SiriusXM Fish Radio for helping premiere a few of the tracks. We also want to give our sincere thanks to all of you out there listening who supported Jambase and purchased a copy of the Clusterflies Triple LP vinyl, with or without the bundled Jim Pollock poster. Thanks, Jim. Or purchased a download or are still streaming on your preferred service. We received many positive messages about the deep dives into the songs on Clusterflies that were featured here on the podcast, and we hope that you had as much fun as we did digging into the songs and chatting with the musicians who recorded them. While all Clusterflies products are currently sold out, you can visit clusterflies.com to join a waiting list in the event more copies become available. Now let's turn our attention from studio recordings to something we haven't been able to talk about very much lately, and that's everyone's ability to go see live music. With vaccinations on the rise and COVID-19 restrictions lifting, live music is coming back with a vengeance. Jambase is your source for the latest tour dates and festival lineups information. Follow your favorite bands and venues to be notified when new concerts are announced. And be sure you've downloaded the latest version of the Jambase iOS app to stay on top of all the latest tour news. It seems the floodgates have opened and tour dates are flying in. A big shout out to my teammates at Jambase for keeping everyone updated with the latest information on shows and festival lineups. We're all very excited about Fish's upcoming summer and fall tours. The band will return to the live stage for the first time since February 2020 when they make their Arkansas debut on July 28th in Rogers, Arkansas. The 22-show summer leg ends with the band's return for their usual Labor Day weekend three-night stand at Dick's Sporting Goods Park outside Denver. I'll be at the amphitheater formerly known as Deer Creek and at the Gorge for three-night stands at both iconic venues. Fish's 13-show fall tour begins on October 15th in Sacramento, California. The West Coast run ends with a four-night stand in Las Vegas, culminating with a show on Halloween. Along with Fish, many, 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 and I'm going to go ahead and throw one more many, many other musicians and bands have announced tour dates recently. Here's just a small sample. Dave Matthews Band, My Morning Jacket, Dead & Company, Trey Anastasio, Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks, Joe Roos is Almost Dead, The Black Crows, Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers, Widespread Panic, The String Cheese Incident, Humphreys McGee, Green Sky Bluegrass, Billy Strings, Goose, and Sylvanesso, alongside a boatload of others. I'm sure some more were announced while I was reading that list. And not only are tour dates piling up, festival lineups are filling in around the country as well. There are too many to list here, so be sure to explore Jambase's festival listings to find an event happening near you and go see live music. As I mentioned before, I was super excited to get to talk to Eric D. Johnson of Fruit Bats about his outstanding new album, The Pet Parade, that came out earlier this year. We chatted over a video call about remotely recording the Pet Parade while locked down last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Eric talked about making the album with the ultra-talented producer and multi-instrumentalist Josh Kaufman, who's also a member of the Grammy-nominated trio Bonnie Light Horseman with Eric and Anais Mitchell. Eric told me about his memorable at-home Grammy experience. He was tapped to remotely give the speech on behalf of the group, had they won for Best Folk Album, or as I failed to mention in the interview, for Best American Roots Performance for the song Deep in Love. We also talked about getting back on the road to tour in support of the Pet Parade, what an actual Pet Parade is, his complete cover of the Smashing Pumpkins album Siamese Dream, and a few other things that popped up. Here's a bit of the Pet Parade single, The Balcony, followed by my interview with Eric D. Johnson.
right. Well, we're here to talk about the Pet Parade, your excellent new record on Merge Records. Um, I, I love their album. I think it's a, a great progression in your sound and development. It, it, um, it really fits with your whole discography. Um, when did you start writing these songs? I, as with most of my uh, albums, I always describe it like I, I start writing for something, uh, basically like half of them before, maybe like in the previous few months of starting the, like, uh, you know, early, very early pre-pandemic 2020, maybe late 2019. And okay. then usually what happens when I'm making an album is um, the making of the album itself informs the sort of second batch of songs. So it's like usually like 50% of them are before you make the album and then 50% of them are during. Okay. So like while you're making the record, they, yeah. they come about. Yeah. The oh. story kind of like starts to tell itself then. And the crazy part of the story was it was like March, 2020 that it was happening. So it was, uh, there was a lot, a uh, lot going on. So you had planned to record the record last March before the pandemic hit. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Josh Kaufman actually came to Josh Kaufman and brought his family to my house in LA. And like, as like a little, uh, Oh, let's, um, let's have like a little family vacation and we'll sort of like do a little pre-production on this record and shore up the songs. And, and then it was like, everything went down that week and I dropped him and his family off at LAX and like hugged them goodbye. <laughs> and it was <laughs> yeah. like, uh, was like, and then went back home and stayed home for the next year. <laughs> and then, uh, funnily enough, we just uh, started working on the new Bonnie Light Horseman record the past couple of weeks, and I actually went out to New York, and he was he and his family were like the first people that I saw and like hugged. So, very, oh wow, very, very he's, full circle. Yeah, full circle bookends where it's just like that's my guy. <laughs> so, well, I definitely want to talk about Bonnie Light Horseman in a bit, but let's, sure, sure, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm totally, right. let's not jump too far ahead. Um, so, yeah. d so did you, did you have demos when Josh came out to visit it, it, Like, is that part of your process or were you demoing with Josh? You know, it's interesting because he's such a, like, I'm usually in past records. It's like, I really use the studio as a writing tool. And it's like, I, I make these demos and they're, they're often pretty like finished sounding. And Josh is like a guy He's such a like um, musical doula or something. He's like, just you know, in, insanely amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't want to like give him too much. You sort of want to like uh, he's he and he's a real broad strokes kind of guy too. So um, uh -huh. so I knew just from working with him previously, I knew I didn't want to like do my usual uh, like here is it here it is, and I kind of wrote and arranged everything already, and then um, so it was a different process for me, which is the whole point of like working with a different producer and right. Um, and I think it's a, a different sounding album for, for all of those reasons. Definitely. And Josh is all over. I mean, he plays a million instruments on the album and, and you, you hear him often, you know, he, he so often I was like, Oh, who's playing that slide slide guitar? Where's that mandolin coming from? And then you look at the credits and it's always Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so after Josh left and the pandemic hit, how did you go about figuring out how to then make the album? We just 
did it in our respective guest bedrooms, basically, um, cross country. And, uh, you know, he's, it, it, so it's sort of, it was, it's, I mean, it sucked for a million reasons, obviously. And and he's such a, like, you get in a room with him and some cool players and it's like mm-hmm. this real vibey thing. But, you know, he and I also, we both come from this true four track bedroom recording past. So I think yes. we were able to sort of, tap into that and then you get these uh you know it was kind of like he and i playing a lot of the instruments and then you get a few great drummers and you just make sure that they have a home recording set up i think all all good drummers in america during this pandemic are like okay i gotta figure out how to like <laughs> a drum kit and make it sound yeah. really they're good. all learning to be engineers at the same time right yeah so we had brian Cantor and joe russo and matt barrick um who are all you know Drummers. They're all amazing. Um, how how did you go about selecting them? Um, Matt was was Matt was the only one I didn't know super well, and he's in the band Muzz with Josh. With Josh and, yeah. and Josh just kind of knew. And then Brian and Joe are like my buddies from you know w- way back ish, and and also mm-hmm. are friends with Josh, and it just sort of made sense. So yeah, I know Joe's played with you quite a bit before, right? Yeah, never on recording. Like he's never actually played in Fruit Bat. So we've done a lot of like live stuff together, which is obviously like his, you know, he, yeah, so much of that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was my first time. It's, it's, it's Joe's uh, debut as a, as a Fruit Bat, I guess. So very cool. Very <laughs> cool. So can you kind of walk me through though the construction of a song that way? Did you, do, do you and Joe, or I'm sorry, do you and Josh kind of then make, the bass track and the ba- you know the basic track that gets sent to the other musicians or how how do they add their parts it's usually yeah i think we we do it's uh it's something you kind of it really depends on like whether you uh i think for the most part we gave the drummers pretty complete things um mm-hmm. because then they can really just kind of feel feel what the vibe is on it okay. but yeah, there I, there was not like a um, there was not a a mandate <laughs> really. It's just like, and that's the that's the beauty of Josh, and uh, he's just like whatever the song needs. So we didn't have like a, and I I kind of I'm the same way. I never really have like a. Uh, there's no formula to finishing a song. They were all a little bit different. So there weren't a lot of instructions. It was just listen to this and and add what you feel needs added. Yeah, yeah. It was a it was a pretty. Uh, I mean, I'm sure. And Josh was probably communicating more with, with drummers. Again, it was like sort of the, uh, some of it, just the not being in a room together was weird because I didn't actually get to, I wasn't in on those conversations. And uh, Uh sometimes I was too, and it wasn't like he was shutting me out, but, um, and uh, yeah, it's like the, a producer artist relationship is like the number one thing is trust. So um, you sort of have to just, it was kind of fun. It was like opening a little Christmas present, uh, a couple times a week. Cause you'd sort yeah. of give something and be like, here you go on, on a Tuesday. And then on Thursday you get the email and you're like, Oh my God, what's this going to sound like? So that was did fun. You, did you get a lot of different takes from, from the, the drummers? And there's also, you know, uh, Thomas Bartlett plays piano, jo- Jim Becker plays fiddle. Um, you have, Joanna Samuel singing background, bass from Annie Nero. How did, um, did they all submit individual tracks? Were there multiple takes? Did you have a lot to choose from? 
That's a really good question that, <laughs> that as you ask this, I'm like, I have no idea. That was, <laughs> that was oh, yeah. all. Gosh, um, except for Jim Becker, because I, I, Jim's my old buddy. So right. I, 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 that one was, um, I can tell you that is, uh, that's like a, from what I can tell, that was like a, a single take or, or at least Jim, Jim like chose his own takes on that one, but sent gotcha. me something and it was uh, totally gorgeous. So, um, but otherwise what you heard was the take that Josh yeah. s- presented. Yeah. So, um, and again, it's either like I was trusting him or, and I, I, if I'm to sort of recall what I know a little bit about Josh is he's a feely guy, you know, as far as production. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't think he's like, um, you know, he's, he certainly has like uh, thoughts about things, but I think uh, uh, going back to the trust thing, you pick, uh, you choose wisely the people that you invite to play and you, you trust their choices and you know well, you, and that's why they're chosen yeah. right because you can you, you trust their cho- choices yeah, right so and you, you can, want them to make those choices yeah exactly so you say you know do your thing and then you can maybe say like hey move just a little to the left a little to the right <laughs> kind of thing and then um but hopefully it's like you sort of just get this this thing out of them that's uh the essence of them and they they understand the song so i, I also wanted to ask you about the, the pet parade itself. Um, I know it's an actual thing um, in LaGrange, Illinois, where you grew up outside Chicago. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that, that, that actual, what the pet parade is? Yeah. And actually <clears throat> I'm just doing research, there's, there's a few pet parades. Um, there's like uh, one in Bend, Oregon, one in oh, okay. Washington too. So I don't, I want to give a shout out to the, the other pet parades, LaGrange. Well, I saw the yeah. LaGrange one is going to have its 75th annual in September. Yeah. They so that's themselves as going. Like the original. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. All right. <laughs> Apparently, but, and maybe there's more. So I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to shut out the other pet parades out there, but yeah, it was something that like uh, you grew up going to with your grand, I, I, cause I actually, I grew up near LaGrange, not in LaGrange, but that was like okay. where my grandma lived. Gotcha. And, uh, so yeah, I more or less grew up there, but. Um, we would, uh, yeah, that was like something you did with grandma, like a wholesome, um, grandma activity. And, uh, it was exactly as it sounds, you, it's a parade (laughs) and you bring your pets. There would also be weird stuff like a tiger trainer with a tiger in a cage on a parade float. And it was very, uh, very kitschy and kind of like really classic Americana yeah. Kind of sounds thing. like Midwestern entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was very like uh, very wholesome. Um, but I so I always loved those words. I'd actually written an instrumental film score piece maybe like ten years ago with okay. that name. Sort of always like I just it was like one of those instrumental pieces where I just was like I named it that because I just thought it was a cool thing to name something. It's a great name. Uh, yeah, and then. Josh was like, I really want you to write this that he sort of tasked me with like, let's, let's have you write this kind of really simple sort of rhapsodic long song that we can mm-hmm. do. We were, we were sort of like referencing like astral weeks or something where it's gotcha. like, let's do something that's like, you know, not some kind of tight whip smart pop song, but, but something that's really just like floaty and weird. And, and you could sort of, do some poetry on the top of it, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind yeah, of vibe. Exactly. So 
So I was like, I'm going to do that. So it was kind of, I was like, oh, I found this old film score piece. I sort of based it on the vibe of that, this kind of okay. floaty waltz. Um, but I really didn't intend using the name Pet Parade anymore. It was just sort of like, it was just like the name of the file <laughs> more <laughs> that All I right. was singing over the top of. But then um, <clears throat> then it was, then it just, the however, uh, lyrics, sometimes just the, it that that piece of music just wanted to be that. and. Um, I started thinking of the pet parade as like uh, from a lyrical standpoint and I've described this, you know, it's even in the like press bio or whatever, but it's uh, I love the notion of, of uh, pep, pet parade as an allegory for life, which is like, uh, you know, um, sort of something floating in front of you side scrolling and uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit ridiculous and a little bit beautiful and, um, and sometimes a little weird. Um, but yeah, it's sort of, this whole record is this pretty contemplative thing, obviously, and a, a little bit, uh, not claustrophobic is not the right word for it, but um, yeah, just a, a watching the world go by in, in some sort of like uh, screen, uh, I don't know, watching something, watching the world go by on a screen, I guess. Yeah, I, I get that there's like a theme of sort of acceptance of one's place in the world that kind of overarches that I get from that. Like the idea that... Um, you know, you are just sit, sort of sitting there watching the world go by and that, that is, it's okay because everybody's sort of in that same boat. Um, were you trying to come up with certain themes throughout the record that fit with the pet parade? Um, no, because the pet parade itself, it was like the theme. I don't, I usually kind of have a theme that I'm writing on, on a record and then it always gets like tossed on its ear. So yes and no, it, it's, it was, it's probably the opposite. Like the, that song, the pet parade kind of found the theme of everything else or gotcha. sort of caught on the vibe. And then, and then you, you, yeah, it's not like you write a central song and then everything kind of goes around that. It's a little more like you kind of have something in mind and then there's a song that, that you hit upon because that was that was sort of a later in the game oh, okay song as far as writing goes that where you're like okay this is like the we, we've we've found all this uh all these ideas have sort of culminated in this kind of quote mission statement so um but i'm usually i i realized after i just been making records for a really really long time and i'm like mm -hmm. i think i'm always kind of writing the same uh writing in the same kind of landscape because I'm, I'm me, you know? And right. I think a lot of times people are like, Oh, your music's so happy and like positive. And I'm like, I don't really think it is. <laughs> I think it's, um, it's more about self comfort for me. And then I'm encouraging you to comfort yourself, but I'm certainly not saying that. Um, well, I think it gets hidden in your beautiful voice and lovely melodies sometimes, you know, like the, the actual content is, is presented in a way that's, pleasing but when you dig into it it's it's not necessarily happy right you know it's it's it there's a deeper meaning to it a lot of the time yeah and i think i grew i always am like i just kind of grew up on that uh like 70s and 80s radio too so i have mm -hmm. the i'm still trying to write pop songs ultimately i'm like happy to and that's just yeah. like the I, i'm just speaking the language i know how to speak so mm -hmm. um but yeah, this is like probably my saddest <laughs> record. And, and I, but I do joke with people. It's just like, I could write the most like 
entirely minor key song and just singing about death or something. And people would be like, what a, what a nice rainbow sunshine song. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. But I, I've also accepted it because I'm also just happy that people are listening. And I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm not like desperate to be understood anymore. I'm just uh, like, well, I think that's kind of the, that idea of acceptance that I get from it. Like you, you, this, there, there's a, I don't know what the right word resolve maybe, but like you, you you feel like there's like a, you realize you're complete when you're not complete with something I wrote about, wrote down when listening to the yeah, record. Like, that makes sense. It feels like all the interviews I do on this record are like therapy sessions for me too, where, where, <laughs> where they're like, this is what I'm taking from. And I'm like, you're right. I'm making a breakthrough. So yeah, I think you're right on that. I haven't really thought about that. The sort of word acceptance, um, it was something I haven't thought about, but I think you, I think you might be right. Trying to find ways to break through And places to fake your way into Here we are Once again here Here we are We are here I, I, I love the record. Um, you you don't have any tour dates planned for this year, though. You're not touring until next year. Um, is that still looking like what your schedule is going to be? Oh, my God. It's I mean, it's yes. There there might be some shows this year. It's ridiculously complicated. I can't um, even imagine. Yeah, like ridiculously complicated. And now that like things are kind of opening up and, you know, we have tour dates for next year. People are, because when we announced them a while ago, people were like, awesome. And now that things are opening up, they're like, wait, why don't you have them for this? And I'm like, because you can't like, basically everyone who had 2020 tours had to have their tours moved to next year. And then the 2021 bands are in 2022. So, um, but then some live concert promoters are like, we're not sure what's happening even for the fall. So it's really complicated. But we well, we were like, let's just book a real deal tour for like when we really know everything is going to. sure. Yeah. And then because if it's like, who the hell knows? So, yes. Well, not- there's no Minneapolis date. So if you want to add one of those in the in the meantime, I'd be that, all for that, it. That is um, that's actually like uh, <laughs> that's, that's TBA very soon, actually. So oh, okay. it's a bit of a long story, but that's uh, that's that's in the mix. Let's just say. Good to hear. We'll yeah. we'll be on the lookout. Yeah. Um, before though, we mentioned Bonnie Light Horseman, uh, your group with Josh Kaufman and Anais Mitchell. Um, first of all, congratulations on the Grammy Award nomination. That's really really fucking cool, man. Yeah, that that was, uh, that was totally cool. That was like such a, um, when, yeah, it was like such a strange, uh, strange thing. And then, you know, you can't go or anything because it's in a pandemic and I'm like, I hope I get another one of these and I can actually go. Uh, but, um, yeah, 
Yeah, it was cool. Is it truly just an honor to be nominated? Yeah, I know. It's like the most cliched thing. But then I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of true. It is. It's kind of a big deal, though, right? I mean, it matters. Yes. And I really am like, I just got my like second vaccination and, and, and someone was like, how do you feel like, and I'm like, kind of feels like when I got a Grammy nomination where I'm just like, I know this is huge, but I still feel like me. <laughs> it's, a, like, it's a big deal, but what do I do with it now? Yeah, where do yeah. I go? <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I think I might like my, my cl- sort of clinical Midwesternness. I'm just very like low key about things and I'm not, I'm not saying that as a brag or, or anything. I'm just sort of like, it's hard for me to, uh, I, I'm an unceremonious person, I guess you could say. And you, you watched the live stream for like, how did you find out that day? Like, what was that experience like? So you're on, it's actually like, it's kind of like a zoom call. Oh, right. That's right. You're sort of in because you like, you might win. And then Mm -hmm. you, if you're like online acceptance speech, so you're actually in, it was super weird. Like you're just in a room, like sort of a virtual room with the other nominees. You can't see them. Mm-hmm. But, but you're sort of you're watching the the live stream of it and then they like if you win you get like called in it's called like in. the whole thing um so i was just kind of like nervously sitting at my dining room table drinking a tequila and soda in the middle of the afternoon just to like sort of relax my nerves and i was i was slightly i was the person who was going to give the acceptance speech too so i oh, was, wow for the for the the song the deep in love nomination so i was uh really nervous and i was have to say i was, had a wave of relief only in that i um did not have to give the acceptance speech which i was really really nervous about and you said before you're working on the follow up to that record right yeah yeah it's still it's still in the very early writing stages but uh yeah yeah we're like uh, we're in it so you you were just out in New York, right? Because you guys also did a, like a pop up show last. We did a weekend. pop up show like while we were there. So yeah, all I can say is we're sort of we're in the early writing stages, but that uh, you know we're trying to assure people this is not a a one off side project. That this is like a, a real band for. I really hope so, man. I mean, it's such a ter- terrific album. We've played it in my house over and over and over. My kids can sing along to half the songs. Um, are, is that band going to tour? Yes. Um, and, and more on that. So you're, you're catching me, you're catching me with this. It's just probably, who knows that it might be like, by the time this goes on, there will yeah, be. Right? I've, I've probably got an email from a publicist in my inbox right now. Buying Light Horseman announced his first tour. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, and it was weird. Cause that was, I mean, we did, we were touring with that band. We sort of had di- did the little dip your toe in the water tour. Um, on the mm-hmm. record in like January, February of 2020, thinking like, okay, and we'll do some more later this year. And then that was obviously not to be. So um, yeah, we're one of those 2020 bands that's kind of like, yeah, like I was saying about Brute Bats, every, everything is kind of shifted by a year. So right, it's chaos. And you said you're, you're working on new material. It's just at the beginning, but What's the collaboration like between the three of you? How do how does a writing session work when the three of you guys get together? Because you're also wickedly talented. It is great. We work really well together. I've never really done that before. Um, mm-hmm. And um, it was the last one was way different because I was I was sort of a latecomer to the process. So um, 
this one is, has been a lot more the three of us in a room together doing stuff, but I don't know if I can, it's kind of the same thing as I was saying about like song making on an album. I don't, there's not like a, we don't have a totally uh, set way that we do it, but, sure. but um, that band is so breezy. It's almost like kind of boring to describe how it comes together because it's real natural. <laughs> and um, is it typically yeah. like one person's idea that other, the other two help develop or is it, sort of a group mind think from the beginning no that you know it's like yeah it's it's um yeah we each come in with a pile and then um then we can we kind of sit down and then yeah and then it becomes a group kind of thing so the songs can get dismantled or remantled or (laughs) whatever so i mean it's we're honestly like this is worse this is still so fresh that i don't even know yet so yeah um, we're kind well, of, it's cool to hear that it's in the works, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. I'm really glad to hear there's more coming. Um, I hope there's a tour coming cause I'd love to see you guys again. I saw you at, uh, your first show, uh, at, uh, Eau Claire's a couple of years ago. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, that was really with, the first show. I don't, we didn't, we didn't even know what you guys were. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was wild. Even, I'm not even sure we had a band name yet or we had, we had like sort of. It was Bonnie Light Horseman, but nobody knew what, nobody had ever heard it. And it was that, it was like announced that day. And so everybody was like, what, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. We didn't even really know that, that show is like a blur to me, but um, yeah, it's uh, that, that's such a good festival. Yeah. Let's hope it comes back too. Right. ask you about was the the smashing pumpkin siamese dream cover that you album you you covered the entire album last year um what was the genesis of that project it was um that one is just like i'm still shocked that in ple and pleasantly so that um that anybody like cares <laughs> about that or like or, and and i wasn't to say i didn't like uh, i i take everything i do very seriously so i sure. was you know, it was this this series called Turntable Kitchen, um, mm-hmm. and their that's their whole deal is like you do you cover an entire um, album of a band. So um, they had like, and I had had some friends that did it, and sort of introed me with the guy, and I was like, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you think about that, it's like sounds fun, and then it's like sounds oh maybe that that'll be fun, that'll be easy. I know how to record. <laughs> Like oh my god, that's a whole. Album. <laughs> yeah. It was it's like a double a, album too, right? It's, it's a, not a double album, but it is like because I think that was like uh, that was melancholy in the infinite. Sadness. Oh, that's right, that's right, wrong, yeah, wrong one. You are correct in that 
I, and was my discovery. I was like, oh man, this is like the ultimate compact disc era album where um, all 79 minutes are used. <laughs> all 70, yeah. And like or longer, cause it's like, it was like cassettes, you know, have to be uh, a certain length or whatever. And obviously mm-hmm. final is like 41 minutes or something. Yeah, so yeah. We're, that was that era. And it was also that era of like um, just alternative radio singles were all like five and a half minutes long. There was right. no, it, it was like, we're really back to like the sixties now, as far as mm-hmm. albums go, where it's like, you put it on vinyl, it's 41 minutes. You maybe have a single or something yeah. that comes out. Things are like two and a half minutes again. Eight tight songs. Yeah. <laughs> all the songs on Siamese dream are like six and a half minutes long. And, um, and this is a, actually a LP, um, series too. So, Oh, right. Um, so I had to really reimagine these songs too, as like tighter little pop songs, but uh-huh. so, I don't know why the Siamese dream is like a record that I um, loved at that time. It's a bit of an outlier record for me. Like it was sort of, you know, came, I'm just right at that. Right. I was like a a junior in high school when it came out, I was just at that right age, like pre deadhead Uh post like metal, you know, it was, (laughs) it was like uh, of the, uh, of that sort of like, golden alternative uh mega record era that was my favorite i'm also from chicago that was like our band definitely so i just i threw that out right at the beginning it was like the first thing that popped into my head when the they were asking me like what would you uh-huh. come i threw that one out there and then i was like why did i pick that one and then <laughs> i think of other things and then um they really got stuck on that they were like we really oh, think okay. we do that one that- well, what were the other ones that you suggested I don't remember now. I mean, I had, it was like, well, I had a few ideas of like doing like a hair metal record uh, cover, <laughs> like Cinderella long cold winter was something. Oh, I, wow. Wow. I was like, there's no way that people aren't going to, and I actually that, that records, I, I chose it because I think that record actually has some pretty good songs on it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I was like, there's no way people are going to not think that's a joke. And right. also, a lot of my fans are are younger, like in their twenties and thirties, and they're gonna be, "What the hell is uh, <laughs> yeah. a cold winter?" Um, and then I really thought about doing Steve Miller Band greatest hits. The um, like oh sure, in which I was like, "That's a little silly to do greatest hits," and and maybe almost a little on the nose for me to do Steve Miller. Sure, um, but basically they were just kind of like, "Hey, we have like a uh, you know like." kind of telling me more or less they're like our fan base is like for this turntable kitchen series they're like they're like younger gen x people and like millennials like they they want to hear like they yeah. want stuff like siamese dream this is like people get really excited about this and it, you know they they were like do whatever you want but they were like this is people are going to be stoked if you do siamese well, dream it turned out really cool man yeah. So I came up with a, a couple of, I just like came up with that original like arrangement for today, just as like proof of concept where I was like, okay. mm. and then I was like, okay, I think I have like a direction for this. And, and, uh, I sort of found what I thought the heart of Siamese dream was like what I could sort of mine from it and then turn it into my thing. And then the response to it was like totally shocking. Like I, I just wasn't uh, expecting people to be so into it.
And you recorded it all yourself at home, right? Last year, that was like a lockdown recording, right? Yeah, it was basically right before I did Pet Parade. So um, okay. in a way, like my whatever, whatever sort of engineering slash um, sort of arranging element that I added to the Pet Parade, you know, obviously Josh was the producer and did all the... Sure, but that and, was your test run. Yeah, but whatever, whatever little bits and pieces I added as far as that, uh, we're, we're actually really informed by that Siamese dream thing, but yeah, Very cool. a guest bedroom recording. Well, maybe we'll end up hearing that Cinderella album cover someday. Yeah. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just cover gypsy road or something as a, uh, yeah. There you go. Or start, start putting it in your live sets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Everybody should check out your record, The Pet Parade. It's out now on Merge Records. Everybody should get the Bonnie Light Horseman self-titled record and look forward to the follow-up there. Um, Stay tuned for more tour dates, I hope. Um, And hopefully we'll see you on the road soon, Eric. Thanks so much for talking to me today. We will. Soon soon or (laughs) soon-ish. I know. Well, one day day or other, we'll be in in the same room together. Yeah. And and hopefully you'll be the one making music. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. All Um, right, man. All right. Thanks. Good talking to you, Andy. You too. Take care. Okay. Talk to you. Bye. You looked at the smoke. It was like you'd seen a ghost of everyone you've ever known. Hovering over the hill. From the west coast is the only home you ever know. Holy Rose of California. Holy Rose of California. Holy Rose of California. episode of the jam Base podcast thanks to everyone out there for listening thanks to eric for again joining us on the podcast if you haven't yet be sure to check out the new fruit bats album the pet parade and the grammy nominated self-titled bonnie light horseman debut album wherever you get your music our thanks also to jake alexander for helping produce the episode we'll be back soon in the meantime stay safe out there follow the guidelines and go see live music